Good morning and welcome. Patriot Radio News Hour live on this Thursday, September the 13th. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group, coming to you from the hole-in-the-ceiling studios. Man, that was a long, long time ago. That was, I think that was 05. Uh, for those of you that have been around here this time, we, we've been doing this show a long time. Uh, we're, we go all the way back to the 90s uh, in doing that. I know some of you are like, 90s? I'm not that old. Pretty old. Uh, we've been doing this show. We, we moved into the building that we're currently in now uh, in 2005. Eric and I, uh, for those of you that remember when we first got on the air in Phoenix, I think it was 2004. Of course, we've been on the air in Colorado for well over two decades. And we had an office up in Carefree. Uh, Eric lived up there, and, and I lived at the time up in Anthem. And we had our offices up in Carefree. And when we started to go on the air in Phoenix, People were calling to order, and they wanted to come in. And we were like, what? No! Can't come up here. Just send us the check, and we'll ship you the stuff. And people were like, ah, I want to meet you, and this and that. And so we we finally relented. Uh, Matter of fact, the very first customer, he's still a customer. In Phoenix, Gary uh, from Mesa drove all the way from Mesa to Carefree, uh, to see us, and so we decided that uh, this was, of course, we were renting at the building that we we're in. The landlord kept trying to raise our rent, so we ended up buying the building that we're in today uh, back in 2005, and we were putting in the the alarm, and there was people up in the in the crawl space in the attic space, and next thing you know. He just comes crashing through the, the the ceiling, and it was actually it wasn't technically in the studio itself, but it was in the hallway, in between where the studio is and where my office used to be. And and he was coming down head first, uh, and his foot thankfully got caught up in all the wiring and and saved him from uh, at least a, probably a, a big bump on his head, and he was sitting there dangling. About you know about an inch away from from the ground, and then of course I came over and helped them uh, get untangled. But that's how we came up with the hole in the ceiling studios. In case you ever wanted to know where that came from, now you know what that has to do with anything. Absolutely nothing. Our toll free number eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. Wealth insurance is what we do. Talking about the physical delivery of gold and silver. We now have two locations. So now you can pick up product in Denver, up in Johnstown, or you can pick up product here in the in the Deer Valley Air Park here in Phoenix. Uh, so so either way, or we do it the old-fashioned way. We just ship it to you. It, it's just that simple. We ship everything registered, insured, U.S. mail, unless it's a large quantity of silver, uh, then it got a, a ground UPS signature required. Uh, that is how we do things here. The website at allamericangold.com. 
Uh, and again, every day, make it part of your daily routine. Monday through Friday, we update all the articles, all the videos, all the stories uh, to keep you all in the know. Don't forget about the medals program. You can buy online. You've got the shopping cart up there. If you want to learn about IRAs and all that stuff, we got it all up there at allamericangold.com. And, and, you know, we had a couple of things we got to talk about. So we had a, we had a big rally going. Uh, the Dow was up uh, big, gold was up, silver was up, uh, and then we got a tweet from the president talking about the trade uh, negotiations that have been going on with China, and it really uh, at a report that came out of the Wall Street Journal yesterday, uh, I'll tell you all about that, what the president had to say uh, we did have some economic data out, CPI, that is the Consumer Price Index, which, again, isn't even really an accurate measure of inflation, but it is a measure. Uh, it is not the measure that the Federal Reserve recognizes, right? That's not their quote-unquote preferred method. Uh, it was up, I want to say the number was 2.7%. Uh, and that was actually down a couple of percentage points. So it was 2.9, now it was 2.7. Uh, and again, it really doesn't matter because it doesn't actually measure inflation at all. And I call it inflation, but it's supposed to measure is, are prices going up or down? And really, the, the funny thing that when we talk about all that stuff, is the logical way to do it would be taking a very core group of things that pretty much everybody has to have, right? You know, uh, rent and more, some kind of rent mortgage thing, because you got to have the shelter, right? A, a car, insurance, food, right? All these basic things that you could come up with. And you could easily come up with. 50 to 100 items that the normal, everyday people have to buy this stuff. But that's not what they do. And, and of course, they don't do it that way because they want to pretend that they're doing a better job of keeping a quote-unquote stable dollar than they really are. But that was the report out today, uh, and that was actually expected. I, I don't know how they are going to try to convince us that the increase in prices uh, slowed down all of a sudden in August. They, uh, obviously, they're not out there actually shopping in the stores. And it just brings me back to where my son was at the, before, before college, was at the Chicago Federal Reserve. And it just so happened the speaker was talking about inflation and basically told the kids, we just make it up. 800 Before we get to the quote-unquote trade negotiations, something happened today that I'd have to go back. Nothing in recent memory have I ever heard of this particular financial institution telling their customers that they should buy gold. Morgan Stanley in a rare trade investment recommendation, their head of wealth management resources recommended that investors take 
profits in some of their equities. And remember, all of these things, and this that's not a rocket science call. Because as we know, when you look at things, uh, there are clear things that signal tops in markets and bottoms in markets. And when you look at markets where there's full employment, like they're telling us there is, and remember, full employment today, not the in full employment of yesteryear. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But there's other signs, too, when you look at productivity, when you look at consumer confidence, when you look at uh, the manufacturing indexes, right? All of the, what I'll call the soft data, right? The survey data stuff. All says, hey, these are signals of top. So for them to come out and say, hey, be smart here, take some profits down, not a, not a huge call. But what they said to do with the profits caught my attention. Take those profits and build a position in gold. Now, they did clarify, because these are Morgan Stanley, one of the true gold haters of the world. And I get it. They should. If you're in the business of peddling debt and you're in the business of fiat money, you don't want your customers buying gold. Because here's the thing that ends up happening when they do. When you track it over time, you realize, wow, that's does just as good as anything else does. A lot of cases, does better. But don't tell them that, because the only way they can say otherwise is they like to go all the way. Well, let's go back 200 years. Gold was money then. That was the money. Right, the only accurate way to measure is go back to 1971 when you went fiat and, and declared gold a commodity, and you can do the math yourself. So they went on to say, build your portfolio in gold, but let me give—I want to give you the rest of it. Well, we do not see gold as a long-term holding. We don't see it. You know, just really, you don't. We just admitted that we're going to go a trillion dollars in debt. And remember, it's actually way more than that, but we'll use their number. Trillion dollars in debt. (laughs) Right? We're going to be $40 trillion in debt in eight years. And you don't see gold as a long-term holding. I think that's kind of funny. Okay. I mean, gold was... $20, and then it was $35, and then when you decided to let it float freely, it was $42, and now it's, even today, which is, believe me, is a well-undervalued price of $1,200 in change, you don't see it as a long-term holding, okay? We believe it can be used tactily as a potential hedge for a stock market correction and or reversal in the dollar and real interest rate. Now, I love the word they used, real. Isn't that interesting? Right? Why didn't they just say interest rates? No, they said real interest rates, which is uh, very, very telling, right? Because they don't. Hey, the interest rates that we tell you about, those aren't real. 
right? What, what, what they're warning about in this little note here, talking about a correction, a reversal in the dollar, uh, and re- a reversal of real interest rates. This is an interest rates going lower. It isn't interest rates going up a quarter of a point when they raise rates next week. Not what they're talking about. No, they're talking about something much worse than that. We rarely use gold in our asset allocation. Like I said, I hardly I don't know that I've seen it from them. But occasionally there are opportunities, and currently we see one of them. So there you go. I thought that was uh, worth noting out. The sixth largest bank in the U.S. expects gold prices to recover before the end of the year and push to $1,300 to the ounce. Uh, so, you know, you're talking about about, about 100 bucks. Uh, and again, that would still be well below where I thought it was going to be. And, of course, all of it having to do with this trade stuff. When you think about how did how did things play out here where we had this pullback in gold and silver, and it really started with the tariffs. Now, me being a logical person, I made the assumption that the talk of tariffs and the actual implementation of them would be very good for gold. What I didn't think about, or maybe didn't understand well enough, is the power of, well, let's face it, of of the people that really have the money. One of the things that they've done is caused the emerging markets to all buckle, right? Really, and you think about gold's up pretty much every other currency with the exception of, well, the dollar and maybe uh, one or two others, but almost universally, gold's up everywhere but here. And I'm going to use the word yet because I believe what Morgan Stanley is cooking right now. See, here's what they're warning about. And, and they're warning about what Donald Trump had to say today. Yesterday, the Wall Street Journal implied somebody close to Steve Mnuchin, who, by the way, sometimes I'm just going to point this out to you guys. You know, I'm a, I'm a Trump supporter. I, I, I think that uh, he was the better choice between Hillary and him. He was by far the, the better choice. But I have doubts, right? Is, is he with us or is he with them? One of the reasons I have the doubts is who we picked as Treasury Secretary, the globalist Steve Mnuchin. Right, another one of the Goldman Sachs Club guys. But a source close to him said that the United States was reaching out to the Chinese to try to set up another round of trade talks. And the article implied that the United States was a little more eager to reach a deal with the Chinese because they didn't actually want to impose the $200 billion in tariffs because they felt like it was going to be really bad for Wall Street. That was what the article implied. The president 
reacted to that article today. Of course, his favorite way of doing it, Twitter. According to the president, he played down the need to have discussions with the Chinese, saying we are under no pressure to make a deal with China. They are under pressure to make a deal with us. He said the United States will soon be taking in billions in tariffs and making products at home. And that really caught the market's attention. And again, so this kind of, like I said, gold was up eight, nine, ten bucks. Uh, it's now down three, as an example. So you can see the effect that it had. Because remember what they're trying to convince us is talk of no trade deal gives dollar strength and weakness to gold and silver and crushes and punishes emerging markets. That's the play Wall Street wants us to believe. Here's what I think Morgan Stanley's worried about. I think they're worried about the president's actually going to do it. Right? You kind of have the uh, sell the rumor, buy the news Right, sell the rumor, buy the news, and I use rate hikes as that example. Every time there's a rate hike coming, they act like the dollar's going to get real strong, gold gets weak, then they hike the rates, and then always what happens? The dollar weakens and gold rallies. I think we've got the same thing here. One of the things the president is talking about is how great the stock market has been. Right, He's a stock market bragger, no doubt about it. The problem is, as we've learned with these tax cuts, doesn't mean anything to Wall or to Main Street. I think the first fifty billion was the easy fifty billion. The 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 two hundred will be interesting. And granted, right, we've got two hundred, and then after that, allegedly, we've got another two hundred and sixty-seven billion. So we'll see what happens. But at least for today. The president said the Wall Street Journal has it wrong. We are not the ones that say that we need to have trade negotiations with China. They believe it be the other way around. And, of course, you know my feelings on this. I don't think China's in any hurry to negotiate anything with us. Because it's a no-win situation. Why would they lose on purpose? It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So we'll have to see what happens. But this is what drove the markets today. And again, guess what this has to do with long-term situation we're facing? Absolutely nothing. It really doesn't. Do you think if we impose another $200 billion in tariffs on the Chinese that somehow we are going to be able to pay our debt? Do you think that if we impose another $467 billion that we'd be able to pay our debt? Do you believe that we can have economic prosperity through the printing press? Do you believe it? Because that's what we have right now. We just took the deficit from last year. $666 billion. And now this year will be a trillion dollars. Right? So, you know, I do high school math. 
$334 billion more dollars, and we're going to have a GDP number. It was about two, and it's going to be somewhere around, say, three and a half for the year, maybe. Well, guess how much $333 billion <laughs> gets you? Well, it gets you about a point and a half. Here's the problem, though. Next year, we're not going to be at three and a half. We're not even going to be at three. The deficit, however, isn't going to go back. It's not going to go back to 666. It's not going to go back to 700 or 800 or even 900 billion dollars. The deficit next year is going to go up about another three to four hundred billion dollars. So then when you look at it over two years, we'll have added, let's, you know, in round numbers, we will double the debt in two years. So we added $334 billion, it's about a 50% increase from the deficit of last year. We're going to do that again, you know, give or take a couple billion bucks again next year. And yet the GDP, if we're lucky, will be around 2.5%. So do we really have economic prosperity via the printing press? We're going to talk about yesteryear when we return. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. It's amazing the way an old book published nearly 30 years ago has made it to the top of Amazon.com's bestsellers. It's called The 5,000-Year Leap, written by the late Cleon Skousen. Its modern appeal is that it sets forth the principles of freedom at a time when many Americans think we are losing our freedom to big government and gigantic debt. Cleon Skousen's description of the founding principles of the United States argues that the wisdom of the framers was a miracle that changed the world. It allowed America to flourish and rapidly overtake Europe in wealth and power. Many books have been written on this subject, but the 5,000-year leap distinguishes itself by its systematic explanation of the Founders' philosophy. In 1607, a small group of ragtag Englishmen founded Jamestown. They were very much like settlements in other parts of the world 5,000 years earlier. Very little progress was made by man during all those 50 centuries. But 200 years later, America's experiment in freedom had helped launch free market economics, leading to stupendous scientific achievements and enhanced quality of life for almost everybody. The American system has an impressive track record. The founders' problem was how to avoid setting up another tyranny in place of the one they had shaken off. The solution was to separate the powers of government into three branches. The founders also believed that freedom cannot be maintained without religion, because religion is the surest guard of virtue. 
When the founders separated church and state, they weren't trying to take religion out of public life. They just didn't want one church to take precedence over others. The proper role of government is to protect unalienable rights, not to provide equal things. This book takes the position that America has a manifest destiny to be an example and a blessing to mankind. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Pedro Radio News Hour, 800-951-0592. So the argument is simple. We can talk about trade negotiations and tariffs if you want to. We can talk about jobless claims and unemployment rates and the CPI and the PPI and the uh, Federal Reserve's favorite inflation metrics if we want to. We can talk about how great the stock market rally is and tax cuts and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, How did we get here? How did we get from having $400 billion of debt to what we saw the numbers yesterday, right? $22 trillion, which is mind-blowing. How did we get to the quote-unquote full employment number of today how did we get to jobless claims being lower than they were all the way back to 1969 right and you hear all of these numbers and you start looking at the if you look at the surface the numbers look pretty good hey double no GDP, you know, around four, close, kind of, yeah. Unemployment rates, 3.8 or 3.9. We, we've got low inflation, right? Stock market's doing great. So on, on the surface, everything is wonderful. Then you gotta though, unfortunately, you you've gotta go underneath it all to find what's real and what isn't. And when you get underneath it, that's where things start to look a little differently. Right? You think about ninety six and a half million people, they just added like six hundred thousand people again, disappeared again to get to this 3.8 or 3.9% unemployment rate. Jobless claims, how are they so low? It's about 200 to 220,000 a week, which in historical perspective, it's almost mathematically impossible to be back to a number 
when there's a hundred million more people today than there was in the 60s. It's incredible, right? It's almost beyond belief. How did it happen? The same way you lost your pension. And I know that for most of us, you're like, well, I never had a pension, right? I've been working my whole life, never had one. You used to. They got rid of it and gave you that crappy 401k. Yeah, you heard me, crappy. Why do you think all of the businesses were so excited about it? Do you really understand why they created the 401k? The people that actually did it, they didn't do it to enrich their bosses. They didn't do it to enrich the banks that they were working for, the wealth management companies they were working for. It's not what they did. See, what they did is they were wealth managers. And they were concerned because these guys were really good at math. And they started looking at the math and said, well, you know, with their pension and with their Social Security money, these people that retire, hey, you know, they're living a little longer. Right? They, they were smart people. Hey, and you know what? People are living longer. They're going to run out of money. That's why they created the 401k. They said, we need another supplement. Of course, why was the Social Security check and the pension check not going to be enough? Because you got both of those for as long as you live. So living longer wasn't the answer. The reason was because the central bank was robbing us. And then they lie about it, like they do today. And so when they created, they had all the best intentions in the world, right? Very similar to NAFTA and GATT, by the way. Right? What did they tell us was going to happen? We were going to have the greatest manufacturing revolution since the last manufacturing revolution. And we were going to sell the Chinese everything. They needed washers and dryers and cars. They needed, you name it, toasters and blenders and ovens. And we're going to sell it all to them. Of course, big business was like, that's not really what we're going to do. But we'll go with that. right? We'll go with that. But that's not what we're going to do. And the pension situation... When they created the 401k, almost immediately afterwards, companies started getting rid of their pension. Because guess who's real good at math, too? CFOs are really good at math. And they're sitting there and they're trying to figure out, how can we make our stock price go up? 
hey, I got a great idea, guys. You know, with this 401k thing, we can match the contribution. And think how great of a deal these suckers will think it is. But we'll get rid of the pension. They won't know. Right? The, the older employees, you know, if they're 55 or old, we'll let them keep it. But all these younger guys, they don't get that. Cause he, and he said, and by the way, you know how much money we're going to make? Stock options for everybody. Right? And there goes the pension. And then, of course, they started doing that, and that wasn't enough. And the CFOs and all these people, they're like, well, you know, we, labor costs are too high. So they said, let's do something about it. I'll tell you about that next. 800 talking about how we got here. Focusing in on the big beneficiaries of that great Trump tax cut and how they've been giving it to us. I almost sound liberal, but this this is reality. This is what's happened. Now they they got rid of pensions, right? They gave you the four hundred one k, and you know how great of a deal it was. They were, you know. And some of them matched dollar for dollar. Others did a 50 cents to the dollar, 25 cents. But, I mean, almost, especially in the 80s, everybody was matching. Because it's such a great money maker for business. Then, they're like, these waves are just so high. We can't compete after we went global. Why did we go global? Why did we need NAFTA or GAD or any free trade agreement? Why? Have you ever really asked yourself? Do you think it was to better the lives of the American worker? It was so Wall Street companies could make more money. What we didn't realize was how they were going to make it. It was by getting rid of the American worker and replacing it with a cheap foreign one. And when that wasn't enough, and the economy went to you-know-what, and all of these coming right where everybody, you know, cut all the pay of all the workers, something else changed, too. See, little changes in the law that allowed for businesses to do certain things that would help them and, of course, have a huge impact on the American worker. Nobody understood it, but today is one of those days, because every Thursday they tell us about how many people file for unemployment claims. And then yesterday, they made a big deal yesterday about how median household income hit $16,371. And if you if you take all the people working today, and, and by the way, not just people working, who's everybody on Social Security as well, okay? 
take all of those people, 50% of people today of working age or older make $61,372, and the other half make less than that, right? That's the, you know, that's how it works. It's not an average. This is median. So they took the guy, whatever guy made the most money in the world, in the United States, he got paired up with the guy that made the least, and they went all the way down to, they got to this 61,000 number. It's the first time in 18 years it finally breached the old all-time high set in 1999. So we've gone almost 20 years where the median income of the United States is now back to unchanged. How? And the answer really is simple. It goes hand in hand with the broken Phillips curve. It goes hand in hand with why these jobless claims are so low. Because what did they let businesses do. Hey, you know what? In order to help you with these labor costs, and really think about it, what were they worried about? God, all these businesses, they're sending all these jobs overseas. we got to help them. So they let businesses start hiring contractors. A lot of them were contractors that worked for the company, and then the company said, hey, listen, you're going to get laid off, but then we'll, we'll, we'll give you some contract work to make up for it. And they've told us how great this contract work society is. Matter of fact, they gave it a great name, too, the gig economy. And they've done all the same media campaign that they did around the 401K, that they did around NAFTA and GATT, and they tell you how great it is, right? Oh, I get to set my own hours, and I, I get to work when I want, and I get to I get to have a lot of freedom, right? It, it, it's great. Of course, they don't tell you what you don't get. You don't get the file for unemployment. Matter of fact. You don't get to pay 6.2% payroll tax. Nope, you got to pay the whole thing. You're like your own small business now. Right? So think about it. Just off, even if they said, hey, you know what? We're going to pay you the exact same whether you work for us or not. Okay? So you get the same pay. We're going to pay you 100 grand. But instead of being our employee, you're going to be a contract worker. You just lost 6.2% of your pay. Right off the shoot. 401k? Uh-uh. You don't get one of those. Right? So any type of matching, that's gone. Oh, wait. You uh, got in an accident in a workers' comp? Uh-uh. No workers' comp. No workers' disability. No unemployment check. Not such a great job, is it? But you get to work when you want. Of course, you better work when we tell you, because if you don't, we're not going to pay you. So now when you look at Dow 26,000, how does it, does it feel that good? 
Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back right after the break. Final statement on this Thursday. Remember when Jim Cramer went nuts on TV with the Federal Reserve wasn't going to bail out? And, and remember, Wall Street wasn't going to open on Monday if Congress didn't, didn't spend all the money. And he started screaming, they know nothing! Nothing! I'm talking to these people! I'm talking to the field! They know nothing! I don't know if you remember that. We played that so many times. Why don't they do it about this? Because that's not even the worst part. You've gone 20 years and made nothing. If you're a man, it's even worse. This is not my data. This is all out of You know, ever ask yourself, remember how you could support your whole family Dad worked. When I grew up, the majority, and I mean the majority of people, dad worked, mom raised the kids. That was how you grew up in America. That was, quote, unquote, the American dream, hey, Paul said. Those of you who missed yesterday's show, former Treasury Secretary Hank Paulson now says owning a home should not be part of the American dream, just so you know. Median real earnings for men who worked full-time year-round fell 3% in 2017 to $52,146. I use the word real. That's important again. On an adjusted for inflation basis. Imagine if they actually used a real inflation. Men had earned more than that in 1972. Not 1999. 1972. Gee, when did the Federal Reserve go full fiat again? Let me think. Oh, that's right. 1971. Are you starting to get the picture? Do you are you starting to understand how this is really going to work? We went from one person working in the house to both people working, and we're actually worse off today than we were then. And you got two people working for the most part. This is what they've done wages in America are not going up they're actually going down by the way everything is in this number and what I mean everything but the really rich people that have capital gains they use all other forms of income from food stamp to child support to workers comp to interest on dividends. I mean, it's all Social Security. It's in there. This is it. This is what is real. Notice how, when they use the word real, how the number changes. Real income for men 
was 51,000. Yet they say the median income, or 52,000. They say the median was 61,370 something, right? Of course, didn't say real. Here's what's real. The big storm's coming. And you better be ready when it gets here. 800-951-0592. Patriot Radio News Hour. Got a fake news Friday coming tomorrow.